You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. We want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water and global warming. We've been learning a lot for quite a few months now, and probably longer than we began to notice that the earth does change and there's a lot of we need to learn more and I believe that earth has a secret and earth is whispering to you and I every day everyone on this planet is together on this the life and the power of water is our existence is our life it's our it's the welcoming it's everything and a global warming is happening of course uh, Many people could tell you that have been living for many, many years that they've seen the cycle of Earth change and its climate change. It does happen. You need to learn more. And our show every week from 10 to 11, West Coast time in the United States of America, is here to teach you a little bit more about you and living here, you. And take some time and learn more. Now, our show is on West Coast time from 10 to 11 every Monday, but in the afternoon, World Talk Radio produces and has an archive for you to come and listen at any time you want on the subject matters of your health and water and climate change, which is global warming. If you go to naturestears.com, click radio show, go to the archives, and you can learn more about the definitions of medical practices and different alternative practices and intuitive practices and holistic practices and the more conventional Western civilized, what's going on here in America practice. So take time, take excitement, and earth will whisper, you will never stop learning. Today we have a lot of excitement. We have Dr. Robin Rose, which I've been wanting to have on our show and she has taken time away from her busy schedule to be here today. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Robin Rose, MD. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Dr. Rose, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Well, thank you for taking time, and I've heard so much about you, and I was really looking forward to having you on today. Um, Our listeners need to know that you are in Ashland, Oregon, which is in southern Oregon, 
and you are a family practitioner with a specialty, though, and educated intuition of intuitive medical practice and holistic nutrition. And uh, you have quite a uh, expansive education there. I was really pleased to hear the time you've taken to add more to your uh, concerns of people's health. Let's hear a little bit about you, Dr. Rose, and where, you, where, where you've come from, why you chose to be in the practice you're in, in the field of medicine. Well, I started um, in my mid-teens realizing that there was something more than the meat and potatoes that got put on my plate and began to I'm going to ask you real quickly. Explore. I know I hear a lot about this with people young, uh, with the different uh, professional backgrounds, thinking young. Was there an influence there? I don't think so. It was more your intuition. Yes. Okay. okay. And I think that the spirit of the times was a very powerful thing. Okay. That was in the mid to late 60s when a lot of consciousness was shifting. And mm-hmm. many of us were thinking about these things, and it was like a, a, a cloud of awareness. Would we call that the spirit of consciousness? Uh, you're, all of a sudden, different people started thinking, and there is another way. There's something else here. I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And I think there's one of those waves happening now. But, you know, the, the origins of eating wisely really goes back a very long way and there's there's been some kind of interesting resistance and the indulgence factor that distracts people from being in tune with their bodies enough to fuel them with the proper nutrients. Well, do you think, Dr. Rose, you know, I've thought about this so many times with my studies and I always try to go back to what is happening with the behavior of our lives in different cycles of the earth as it changes and where we're at, what we're doing, and when. And and way back in time, it was the art of survival, and they didn't have all kinds of choices. I've often wondered when the uh, frying pan was invented, (laughs) and also then uh, sugar became enormously exciting to provide entertainment with sweets and things that were very tasty to the nerve endings of the tongue. Um, And it is, you know, you look back at, they used to have gardens and pantries, and then they had freezers and gardens and pantries. And But all of a sudden, people began to fry. They did fry every lot. And so go on. I agree with you, and I'm sure every listener agrees that Something went wrong somewhere that we didn't keep up with the survival that we others had learned. Now we're back to a survival of how are we going to stay healthy and live on this earth and to have a longer life and be healthier and have a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was great. Thanks. Um, when I was in graduate school, I was a nurse practitioner before I went to medical school, mm-hmm. and I had to do a paper, and one of them was on the neonatal reflexes that were, that are survival mechanisms. Neonatal reflexes, okay. So, you know, like when you, when you do an exam on a new baby, you check for certain neurologic 
responses. Uh-huh. Like when you kind of drop the baby, it grabs with its arms. And if you put a baby by the edge of a bed, it actually has a reflex so it won't fall off. Uh-huh. And so we're born with very protective mechanisms. Ref- those reflexes. Yeah. We're wired. Back up for a second, you know. This is something that's new subject to me, the word reflexes. And I'm sure it is to the audience. And you're right um, that once we're born, we leave that pocket of water, we enter in the air we breathe, and we begin to have certain instincts with our reflexes that we don't understand. And it obviously not enough has been studied because I've never heard of that. Go on. I'm, uh, this is exciting. Go well, on. This is the beginning for me for exploring what is it that happens to mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. to basically have someone who came here wired to wellness and takes a detour into harm to self. And <laughs> well, here we're back others. to that environmental conditions again. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, yeah. there's you know social dysfunction right. and um, genetic abnormalities. There's all kinds of things that do it. But it's a really, it's almost a koan. It's almost what like you're saying that, that too bad we can't be born and choose our menu of where we're going to be. Because <laughs> our, probably our reflexes were better when we were first born and more intuitive then the environmental conditions began to condition us because we didn't have the choice of where we were. Uh, so go on. I'm, this but it's is, not that hard. At least it hasn't been for me. Um, and I've been blessed with a, a very wise, conscious community of people who are already interested, mm-hmm. but not always. Um, and I've had many, many years of time sitting with people and finding what is it that's keeping you from opening yourself to bringing what you need to be well. And we all have things we do that we could change. And that either is depressing to some people or it's exciting. And for me, it's exciting. I love to say, what's wrong? How can I fix it? Okay, now, let's say, for example, the environmental conditions of where you're at today and what you're uh, uh, accomplishing is uh, there's certain people who do want to learn more, and then there's others who find it almost disturbing because it's not normal uh, for them to go and and work with the doctor to do this also. Now, follow me for a minute, Dr. Rose and listeners. In other words, we should be working harder than the doctor at learning what we need to learn about what the doctor is educating us and what is available for health education in our own particular uh, discomfort symptoms, we call them. So let's start out with, let's say that people come to yourself and MDs like yourself or naturopaths, holistic people in medical practice, and they come because they, what is the most common? Do they come because they've heard about it or they felt there's got to be another alternative, there's another intuitive way? What are you finding in your practice that people are getting to more more commonly lately? Wanting to come to a doctor that has more multiple practices than just one or two. Right. I mean, some people have problems that haven't been resolved, and they're looking for an answer, a diagnosis, and and some resolution of discord at some level. Mm -hmm. Some people are fed up with being um, hustled in and out. 
mm-hmm. um, and not listened to. Some people are frustrated with the expense of medications. Some people don't want to use pharmaceuticals unless absolutely forced to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a place for them, but there's also many things to do prior to that mm-hmm. need. Um, so, you know, that's that one of the topics that I've always loved is the idea of biochemical individuality. Oh, I agree with you. And I so do agree everybody with you. Comes Would you with explain a, that a to our listeners? Because I do agree with you. That's where I, year, way, la, way back in time when I started studying the waters and, and hydrotherapy and de- dehydration and hydration, the biocompatible side. Explain to our listeners what you just said, the biocompatible Biochemical individuality. So as you can tell by looking at everybody's face, that's different inside and at a molecule level. We're all different genetically. We're all different, even just slightly. And so why I've really become a bit of an eclectic in what I have learned and studied and offered to people is because each individual not only is chemically unique, but they're social experience and their emotional experience and spiritual experience is unique. And so what works for one person may just not be the answer for the next person down the line. And it really takes um, listening and good intuitive skills and a collaboration. I mean, people can't come and plop themselves at my feet and say, fix me, I'm not going to help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually work. Well, I've tried to say to everyone for so long and our listeners, please stop blaming the doctor. Stop blaming your employer at work. Start taking a more proactive responsibility for yourself. Yes. You're That's right. That's hard because in some ways we haven't um, cultivated a society that empowers responsibility. People. Is that possible? to start in early childhood education, and it has to happen in the home. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people now who know this, and I'm really excited to see what... Now what is your most common practice? Uh, you are an MD. Sure. It's, and you're, you're unusual, but there, it's becoming, again, potentially, uh, hopefully more commonly, that MDs are getting into more intuitive medical practices, holistic medical practices, and others, and working with the whole medical community, shall I say. Well, the first thing that anybody who practices holistic medicine has to do is self-examine and begin to unravel Mm -hmm. the issues. From your attitude down. All of it. Attitude up, maybe. And that certainly was not encouraged in medical school. As a matter of fact, my experience was <laughs> yeah. that um, I should turn myself off and check back in after I was done, which I uh. somehow refused to do. Although in some ways, you know, it took me years to recover from the intensity and the energy of it. But, you know, basically after that, um, for me, I just look at what what is this person doing right Mm-hmm. and congratulate them, and let's work on that to really bolster that. Mm-hmm. And then what are the things that aren't quite right? What can we do? What do you need? So you were looking at the overall uh, discomfort and, and health and 
the process of this life who, that began to the finish, there's got to be more to this than just the, uh, there's got to be more common sense. You know, for some people, it's changing their diet. Exactly. Sometimes a little bit. Let's add this nutrient. Some people, it's like, let's start all over. Everything you're eating is causing you to have the pain you have. For some people, it's exercise. And mm-hmm. I, I have this, this joke, and maybe it will come to fruition. I want to write a book called um, The 100 Reasons, The 100 Excuses Why I Don't Exercise. And so many people find their lives interfere with taking care of them. And and our our lives are too fast, too busy, too fast. Uh, More than ever, every day, and gone going again for history in the past. There's so much pressure. And you know, Doctor, I've often wondered, you know, you said something today about reflexes. Um, You know, this comes to a, a description I had not used. Um, I love the word uh, description of intuitive and, and environmental conditions and, and all the things that go together with life to, to communicate with us. But you used one, reflexes. Is it possible that if our research center would go in and start looking at reflexes of everyday life from the moment you're born until you pass, that you do have certain intuition to your own personal reflexes that are influencing you on some of your comforts, discomforts, and decisions? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like being able to hear the inner voices mm-hmm. that advise. You know, I mean, it's, it's obvious. If something hurts, there's a voice inside of your head that says, ow. Okay, and I'm going to have to decide whether to get up and okay. do something about it. I'm going to lead you to something. Go ow, 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 ow. This might be a little off for a second, and I'll bring it back to to the nutrition. Is it possible that whenever we, as humans that are so human, alive, and those reflexes, that when we put something in our mouth just because it tastes so good? And the craving of what it did, and this, and the oh, the oh, what it made us to feel so good, so whatever, wherever we go, high or wherever it is, just absolutely chocolate or that taste of a steak or something. And all of a sudden, but it's a, it's a little different than anything else we've tasted. It really, we like it. Is that always good for us? Well, because I would those say nerve endings on good, the tongue? it's good for us. Um, now and then, I think having that yummy rush is there we go. yummy rush. You're is a good. good thing. It brings endorphins. <laughs> it brings joy, and doesn't always mean it's good. And I don't, I don't know how to say this. I mean, I've been somebody who cultivated the yummy rush over broccoli. <laughs> And not everybody has. That does not mean that I... You and President Bush Sr., isn't it broccoli that he hates? <laughs> I don't know. I've not dined with him. Maybe it's Brussels sprouts. But, I, I, you know, I eat chocolate. I, you know, I think organic dark chocolate with less sugar and less fat has a place. Uh-huh. But there's a difference between having a little piece of chocolate and having too much and not really looking at the percent. You know, what percent of my diet is correct, mm-hmm. and I think most people have some play in the wheel to eat the steak now and then, to eat a piece of cake now and then, but the now and then really varies. 
you know, a really and your, and your diabetic should probably have a piece of cake on their birthday. Okay, now we're going to take us into uh, get me off of my uh, evaluations here uh, of thinking. Uh, when someone comes to you, and as and you're an MD, but you're holistic and you're a doctor and you're also into intuitive uh, medication practices. When a person's coming to you, you're probably thinking, like many are starting to think, there's a nutrition, maybe something we should study first. What is the first thing you ask a person uh, what they're eating? What are you eating uh, when you want to evaluate them? Usually I just ask people to give me, what did you eat yesterday? Okay. You know, run it down. And then the best thing for then my what are you recommending? is to Let's have them do a diet diary. I want to see what everything you put in your mouth for two weeks yeah, and in doing that, it's the really the beginning of. And what are you wishing for? They put in their mouth for two weeks, other than you know. Let's just say you would have a wish list. Well, my wish list at this point is seventy percent fruits and vegetables. Fresh, um, fr- fresh fruits and vegetables. Yes, um, a good thirty percent of that being raw. Um, now, raw, like sushi? <laughs> like sushi? No, I'm talking about the vegetables. Okay, um, raw. <laughs> raw fish, I'm, I'm not... Okay, uh, so it would be a large percentage of fresh, raw uh, vegetables and fruits. And when carbohydrates are taken in, the whole grains, and preferably not even in the form of flour, actually whole grains mm-hmm. are really better for us. Um, protein is a very individual thing. It goes along with belief system. Um, I believe there's probably a, a good deal of support to the blood type to help people guide themselves to what kinds of protein they do best on. And, of course, it's always complicated by does this person have thyroid problems? Do they have metabolic syndrome? It, each person is individual. We have to know protein. who and what and we are. But I think, you know, adequate fluids, okay. um, seeds and nuts, and, um, and... And be careful not to overdo that because it could c- cause a congestion that we wouldn't digest it very carefully. So you've got to be careful with some of that, too. You know, dairy products for some people work and for other people are absolutely yeah. wrong. Right. For some people, eating wheat is truly havoc. Yeah, and they're the finding simple out more about act that. of just making an agreement with yourself to stop eating wheat sometimes mm-hmm. makes a huge difference, mm-hmm. and it also offers the opportunity say. to have a uh-huh. really lovely spiritual discipline because okay. it's really not that easy. And I don't eat wheat myself. I finally, after telling you know lots of patients, don't eat wheat. I thought maybe I should try this. And I feel better, and many people have reflected that to me. You know, my long-time belly problem went away when I stopped eating. I'll be. You We're going to take a break uh, with our sponsor, uh, Dr. Rose. And when we come back, let's think about uh, what some of the alternative things that they could eat if they weren't eating some of those no-nos that you're recommending to think about. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to have a, a message from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Discover. 
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Dr. Rose, I wanted to ask you when we... Uh... Just a moment ago, we were talking about some of the things that people are, uh, would you call that allergic to or have a discomfort of the digestive system that is not able to eliminate mm-hmm. uh, because of, they're learning more now today than, than they ever have in the past about some of the different pr- types of food, pro- foods of all, processed foods or whatever, that people are really, let's just use the word allergic to. Allergic is a very strong word to mean you, maybe you shouldn't be taking it. Uh, you mentioned about wheat, and, you know, we all like our wheat toast, and we were programmed for so long wheat. Uh, you're, but you're finding that our people that find, uh, can digest, I'm going to use the word digest, uh, uh, other types of processed foods other than wheat. Now, when your stomach is swelling and whatever, and you've liked to eat a lot of wheat, breads or sandwiches and more, we, and we got so programmed, I'll have wheat, not sourdough, not white, not rye, wheat. What do you recommend they uh, purchase if they're not, if they, uh, that wheat may be a problem? Well, it depends on if the person is truly gluten sensitive. Exactly, truly, yeah. And you have to be careful with the term allergic. That's a very okay. specific okay. chemical experience. Okay. Some people are truly allergic. And I have another category, which is sensitive. And that may be a whole other collection of chemistry that's okay. happening. Okay. And maybe something that we don't even have good testing for. So that's when it takes listening by the practitioner, listening to the body by the person themselves, the patient, um, and just some good common sense, which I also translate as intuition sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so there are great options now. I mean, there are wonderful rice breads. Um, Spelt is an option. Rice breads? Rice, like from I know, right. preferably brown rice, but mm-hmm. there are all kinds of, of things like that. Um, some people who can't eat wheat can eat spelt and oats and rye. Others cannot. Now, you just said uh, a spelt? Spelt is a different grain. It's now, you're going to spell that for our to wheat. never heard of that one before. There's some difference. And actually, spelt is a nice grain because it's actually spelt. quite alkaline relative to wheat, which is a more acidic um, grain. That's a whole other conversation, which perhaps we could have at another time. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a lot of sorting systems for how to decide what works the best for any one particular body. You know, the, the shift from eating wheat makes you have to think about other things to eat. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, that was great because it's like, okay, I'm not going to get up in the morning and have a piece of toast. Let's see, what else can I have? Okay. What else is on the list? So, for what me? did you do? Um, I do eat oats. Okay. So, um, so there's often oat bread. I have granola. Okay. And oat bread with lots of veggie, uh, not veggies, sorry, um, with lots of fruits <laughs> on it, whatever uh-huh. I can get, and I usually put some walnuts and almonds in it, mm-hmm. and I use soy milk because I try to limit the dairy that I take in. Some people can't do soy, and there's almond milk, and there's rice milk, and oat milk, and right. you know, there are so many options now. It's so much more fun and easy to do than it was 20, 30 oh, years ago. it is ago. exciting because you had so many selections. But, again, a person would have to be careful. Um, and, we're, and, you know, this is something, uh, if you could t- say uh, to our listeners, you know, people have got to learn to listen to themselves. Earth does have a secret. It says, live in yourself, listen to yourself, be with yourself, understand yourself. Where are you coming from? And uh, that tells you something if you stop and take some time did I just eat something or drink something that maybe agreed with me? Uh, Dr. Rose, that's why I brought up earlier, uh, do we oftentimes put something in our mouth that tastes so good that might not be good to us for us at all? Right. And then and the sorting system is looking at yourself later. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I've seen people eat out, which is a dangerous thing sometimes, and eat way too many carbs and get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done it. I've eaten things that I realized, okay, now I'm achier or I'm more fatigued. Mm-hmm. Not really serious stuff, but it interferes with my sense of having the best day I can have. Now, you have something that is very interesting, and I'd like to discuss it. You have been to uh, the New Orleans, Louisiana area and worked with the Katrina Yes. Aftermath, and I have been to New Orleans several times, but not since Katrina. I have close friends that are doctors that had to literally, uh, at the time, go do a practice someplace else, um, and now they're going back and forth, and, um, and doctors at Tulane. Uh, wanting to ask you, I noticed that you went into the bayous, yes. and I think our listeners throughout the world need to hear you describe uh, Louisiana, and the bayous, um, and, and especially, and then you went in to give your time to um, the different individuals living in the bayou. And exp- would you educate us about that? Well, when I first heard about Katrina, I had this burning desire to go. Uh-huh. And yeah. quite gratefully, I was uh, just in tears. Work with the International, which is oh, a yeah. uh, relief organization from. Um, the community, the farm in Tennessee, mm-hmm. which is a community that I'm part of. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I had a great deal of freedom, more than some of my colleagues who worked with larger organizations. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision based on talking to people that there are some Native American communities down in the bayou who really didn't have anybody there serving their needs in the way that... Um, they needed. And then Rita came and flooded some of these communities. So by the time we got there, it was right after Rita hit. And these are communities that are not officially 
usually tribal because there's many different peoples, but for the most part, they're like Indian villages in very rustic conditions. The interesting thing is that their attitude was fabulous. They have had this happen before. Mm-hmm. They were a lot less devastated emotionally as a, as a group than a lot of people. And they put on their, their shrimpy, shrimper's boots and started hauling stuff out of their houses. They were looking for all the old people who were stuck in their houses and couldn't get out. People really just came out in the streets and started helping. And now, I'm a picturing that probably this is in a lowland swamp region. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, you know, there's lots of water, so that Katrina brought in rainstorms and wind and more water, and surface water came in. They had to be flooded. They had 10 feet of water in their houses. 10 feet of <laughs> water? Up to the second And stage. their houses are probably, uh, they're probably not trailers or manufactured, but... Some of them were... Well, those, okay. those were, um, they they were, were living in trailers? A lot more, yeah. All kinds of things. I mean, okay. it's, it's amazing to realize the level so of poverty culture that people, people were living in before stick, these storms. Okay, they wanted to stick to their culture, their traditions. So they're living out there in those the regions. For how many years do you think those uh, the tribal loca- the, in the bayou said they've been living? Do you have any idea? By, by history, they say they've been there before the French came. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And unfortunately, there are some political trends that are compromising some of these people's ability to stay in the area. Hmm. Hmm. So that's that was a big. So what was some of the? You know, you you probably couldn't help them. Get, uh, you probably could have helped them clean up the mud and all the problems, but what was your first concern about their health? Well, my job really was to go around and check up on people. I had um, you know, my, my doctor bag, and I had mm-hmm. all kinds of things donated. I had a lot of pharmaceuticals. I had some surgical equipment, and I also was gifted, because Ashland is such a, a conscious community with a lot of nutritional supplements and anti-infectives, herbal anti-infectives, anti-fungals. What about water? And water was, the Red Cross did a pretty good job with with dealing with water. And so I, you know, I was really going around individually, and fortunately I had tribal members and tribal leaders Mm -hmm. bringing me to people so that, you know, ordinarily these communities are pretty closed, and they were incredibly friendly and welcoming. Oh, it yeah, was very, it was actually fun, despite the very interview. appreciative. And you know, there were children who needed attention. Some of the older people. Um, a lot of folks had um, high blood pressure medicines that had gotten damaged in the floods, and so I fortunately had. Now, did you stay there, or did you stay in? Which metropolitan? Where, where did you stay when you went there? Did you stay um, in Wasteland the first time? I went twice actually, and that was not um, harmed. And so I actually was was the first time staying with one of the tribal leaders and in hardly third world conditions. The second time I went back and stayed in the travel trailer of another tribal leader's. Mm-hmm. Um, at at his home, and um, at that point it was um, around Thanksgiving, so it was after the fact, and we were just helping more 
doing cleanup and checking in on people and their health and their safety. And You know, something that came to my mind as you were talking, and um, I have a granddaughter who went to India to give her, uh, her volunteer time to help orphanages, and we really worked to, to get her prepared to take care of her own health. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Uh, what do you recommend to others in, in our country? Don't ask me what I did. I was 19 and I got sick. Oh, but it was a good. It was a good. Well, what would you recommend that you should have done, doctor? So, yeah. What is it? Don't do what I did. Would be the best advice. I mean, now I've been back to the third world a lot of times, and I use all kinds of things. You know, grapefruit seed extract. I use um, homeopathics. Um, Iodine drops in water. I'm much smarter in my old age, and I don't eat certain things. Um, I'm aware of early symptoms and, and, you know, would not be opposed to taking Cipro if I got really sick. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there are all kinds of things that you can get. Our country doctor has so concerned about, uh, and unselfishly, for such an underpopulated area of the world, this country is so conscious of other people's needs. Even if we don't have a lot ourselves in our own home, we still want to go help someone else. This is our country. I have never seen a, underpopulated. It's not overly populated, but they have this concern, and that's why they travel so much all over the world. And and my concern has been their health issues, is when they travel, will they take care of themselves and not come back with a long-term problem? Sure. And these are not always things that younger people realize, because when you're young, without the experience of some decades under your belt, yeah. it looks like you're impervious to damage Right. for the majority. And that's really the biggest challenge in working with children and working with adolescents mm-hmm. is getting through the sense of consequence. And it, it, um, it can work. Now, before we leave, because our time is almost up here, I want to ask you to divine, and you have the ability to do this. Your qualifications are wonderful. Explain to our listeners... The practice of a medical doctor, MD, and we're going to go down the line and define the difference between the intuitive doctors or nature paths so they'll understand a little bit more about differences so that when they go to, to go for it, to, to um, get an appointment with a different type, different doctors, they'll know what the doctor is practicing. Let's say you, you are an MD. What type of practice is that? Well, it's very varied, and I think it depends on the individual and that individual's education, mm-hmm. personal passions. Okay, um, then there are the MDs who are. Let's say we have a holistic doctor, a naturopathic doctor. What's well, the difference? A holistic, with... a holistic MD also is going to have a great deal of variation. Sometimes very interested in working, say, with detox. Mm-hmm. Sometimes working with acupuncture. There are medical herbalists, there are so many different options, and that would be the thing to find out is what is this particular physician's um, interest. We have an MD, we have the intuitive doctor who probably will, and more of them are practicing naturopathic, they are a naturopathic physician. Then there's the alternatives. 
and uh, for our listeners to know there's lots of choices today than there's ever been in history. Well, I want to thank you uh, for joining us. I've heard a lot about you. Okay. And uh, before we leave, I heard uh, before you came to the show that we have snow in Oregon and you had a tree fall on your car. That indeed is the fact. And I am very <laughs> grateful you joined us. And, uh, well, and you just show you have a good outlook like on life because you still came to the show. Oh, thank you. Well, it is beautiful out. It has not snowed this much in southern Oregon since I've moved here. And oh. I was out this morning walking around like I was in a, a the most a exquisite museum that one could ever see. It was hilarious. Oh. Well, you have a nice day, and I really do appreciate you giving us your time because I know how busy you are. Thank you again. Thank you so you. much. It's really good to talk to you. And have a nice day. We'll talk to more. Bye-bye. Well, we're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to be back with another excitement here to me. We're having a, a man from Montana, Ron Eshing, who we're going to discuss the Montana waters, and we're going to also talk about the wolves that you've been reading about with Associated Press and the news media, and we'll be right back with uh, Ron. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We have today a very exciting guest. I'm really pleased that we could get his time. We have Ron Aishim, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, and we'll ask him in a minute. He's with the Communications and Education Outreach in Montana Department of Fish and Wildlife. And um, the topic today will be Montana stream and excess law, but also we will be discussing the endangered wolves that uh, Montana has decided to uh, be involved with even different, and a little, they're going to take a different course here for a while. Uh, are you with us, Ron? Hi, Sharon. I sure am. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I've been to Montana. It is gorgeous. It is absolutely the most beautiful. Now, I will tell you, I'm in Oregon, Oregon, and I'm a born Oregonian, Ron, and I know how beautiful Oregon is with all these gorgeous mountains, but you're, living there, you're there in a beautiful state called Montana in the United States of America. As you know, this is a worldwide show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and you can tell us about Montana. Well, Sharon, you're right. It's an absolutely spectacular, special place, and I'm a, a native, born, bred, and raised here. And, and oh, we're, we're going to have fun today. <laughs> but um, I've worked for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks here in Montana for almost, well, over 32 years now, and I've had the privilege for the last over 20 to 
really, it's a job that most people, I get paid to do what a lot of people would pay to do. Dream. I get to tell the world about hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreational opportunities in Montana. And then handle our education programs that deal with um, everything from hunter education to aquatic education, fishing, all those sorts of things, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Now, you have, uh, because um, my the, the name of our show, Ron, is Life, the Power of Water, Global warming and your health. So I am in the, my have been studying waters for over 25 years and I'm, our field is water and hydrotherapy studies, our research center. So I'm really big on water and Montana has a lot of gorgeous, fresh, clean water. Well, unbelievable, Sharon, that we're really fortunate. There's a, a cliche in Montana that uh, water's for fighting and whiskey's for drinking. <laughs> and I think that it really is true. We have over 50 blue ribbon trout streams in Montana that are uh, just, or excuse me, over a dozen blue ribbon, blue ribbon trout streams. Uh, just really fortunate to have a lot of high-quality, pure water and used for a lot of purposes, recreation, commerce, those sorts of things. So there's, some, there's certainly some competition. Now, now uh, Oregon is so into government having a lot of jurisdiction over the rivers. As you know, we're here on Grants Pass, Oregon, southern Oregon, with the Rogue River. And we have a scenic, and, and then we have a wildlife that's uh, a part of it. Do you have that in Montana where uh, there's certain parts of the river that are more scenic that are not uh, regulated by the, gov- the state or the government, uh, that, but then there's other areas that are definitely regulated? You bet. We have some of that. Um, We have what's called the wild and scenic uh, distinction on the Missouri River, which is a spectacular piece of country. And then we have different zoning in some areas that uh, deal with how we would develop along rivers. That's an issue that uh, receives lots of debate, Sharon. How much should there be in the way of regulation? Uh Um, Just because the view shed and that sort of thing. Uh Yeah, I think in fairness in Montana, it's it's been uh, sometimes contentious, but in a lot of cases, landowners have given up things consciously to preserve uh, the the fabric of, of some of these special resources that we have, and we much appreciate that. Well, it is a be- it's beautiful. Now, uh, let's learn a little bit more about your rivers. Your tributaries of the rivers, uh, where do they originate from? Well, we've got rivers on both sides of the Continental Divide, so they they originate on the Continental Divide. We have some. Now, we have people all over the world listening. What what part other states are they influenced from? Well, we have uh, certainly in Montana, they're not influenced a lot from Canada some, but a lot of our rivers originate right here. In fact, most okay. of them do, Sharon, right so on. So you have a lot of underground aquifers there. Oh, oh, you bet. We've got that, but we've also got springs and, of course, snow melt and rainwater that, that originates mm-hmm. in the high country and then mm-hmm. uh, trickles down or flows down in a, a gusher in some now, what's cases. What's the highest mountain you have there? What's the, uh, how high would that? Oh, gosh, it's over 9,000 feet. Okay, we're, there we go. We're tall. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> and You've we've got, got a lot of them. enormous amount of influence there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then how much geographic uh, territory does Montana have? I'm not sure the exact number of acres, Sharon, but it's it's the fourth biggest state now, I believe, and uh, the nice thing is a lot of it is uh, uh, open to the public, a lot of public land in Montana, and a lot of it that hasn't been developed. We've got some real remote stuff, particularly in eastern Montana, and then in western Montana where we have this public land, so there's just tremendous recreational opportunity. Do you have a lot of trees and forests, or is it mountain ranges and a lot of rock? No, it's both. We certainly don't have the kind of forest industry that you have in Oregon where you have such regrowth. But, uh, and, in fact, that's one of the areas where we have really stepped back a little bit as far as 
timber harvest just simply because it takes it so long to regenerate, and there are some other uses that people have decided are maybe more appropriate in some of those areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and you're known to be, I think, if I read this before our show, I studied the fish, the trout fishing capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I think uh, there's they some come there and have competitions, and your your airports there, people coming in and out with their fishing, uh, their fly fishing uh, gear and special poles, and they have uh, competitive competitions in fly fishing. Well, not so much competitive stuff, Sharon. We have, uh, in fact, we have some rules on those sorts of things. But oh, okay. fishing in Montana is over a three hundred million dollar industry. Oh my, fishing? Uh huh. Fishing alone is over a three hundred million dollar industry, mm-hmm. and hunting, fishing, and wildlife viewing is over a billion dollar industry in Montana. The thing that we notice, and you mentioned airports, in uh, particularly uh, probably late summer, early fall, most airports, particularly in southwestern Montana, you'll see. Uh, Fly fishermen with all the gear and all the yeah. uh, <laughs> all the clothes. That's why I brought it up. Deplaning, and they're here to fish Montana's waters. And right. yeah, it's we have probably more opportunity, more diverse opportunity than anywhere else. Uh, certainly on the continental United States. Just a couple interesting things, Sharon, that I think is amazing. Fishermen in Montana spend over a million and a half dollars on ice alone. They spend over two and a half million dollars on bait. <laughs> um, and as I said, I said. Oh, and over what, what's the most common bait to fish in Montana for uh, fishing? Well, it used to be worms, probably, but I think now, Sharon, it's changed. It's transitioned. Most, uh, not most, but yeah, I think the majority probably now are fly fishermen, uh-huh. and a lot of people no longer uh, keep fish, so they use flies, barbless hooks, barbless lures, I so see. that they can release the fish. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Huh? Okay. Yeah, it's just it's become a mecca. Um, yeah, there are. Um, now, what about uh, before we move into some other n- nature? Uh, uh, let's go into our civilization of people who like to ski. Do you have a lot of snow in the mountains and ski resorts? We have a lot of them. We have, uh, gosh, I don't know how many, a dozen or so. But we're in the throes of finally having some winter. And in fact, you're uh, into water. We have been just in terrible shape the last four, five, six years with drought. Oh. We've had special restrictions on our actually what we call hoodow restrictions where you don't fish after two in the afternoon. My goodness. Yeah, it's been severe and what we're trying to do there, Sharon, is preserve the larger fish and what happens when you well, get Well what do less... you do to preserve the water? What do we do? Uh huh. Well we've got really have had just outstanding cooperation with landowners. Okay. They've shut down some irrigation in some places at personal So you loss. don't have a very large agricultural need for your economy. Oh we certainly do. We certainly do. What it's do the number they do one for industry water? in Montana and they need water. So it's again. That's so that hurts the economy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very big part of it. Now, do you have any reservoirs to hold back so the maybe the agricultural community has water to use? Oh, you bet. You bet. Okay. We do. We've got uh, dams on several rivers. Although okay. we're real proud that we have a lot of free flowing rivers. We'll still. call those reservoirs because that means you're preserving the water in case there could be. Um, Earth makes a decision that you're not going to get quite the amount of water some years you might in other years, so you're preserving and putting an asset, uh, a savings account of water together. You bet. Yeah, some of it's used for power generation. Some of Uh it's used for commercial use, including agriculture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, a lot of them are used. They're tremendous sources of recreation, flat water recreation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have river rafting? Oh, gosh, do we ever, yeah. Lots <laughs> okay. of thriving businesses. Now, you know, I could, uh, I'm going to ask you something, Ron. I bet you go river rafting. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I could tell by the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't live in Montana and not play on the water. Well, I come from one of the original people way back in time on the Rogue River oh. who used to river raft for years and went down uh, for the three- and four-day trips. And my uncle was Bob Pritchett, the river guide who started in uh, the early 40s. Uh, on the Rogue as a well-known river guide, gentleman guide. He came from Oregon State University and decided to be a river guide instead of going into some of the other things he had choices and loved it and did it for 35 years. Well, good for him. So, uh, But back to now, um, you've got a lot of water. You're, you, you, in your background, your education sounds like uh, you're doing everything you can to keep those waters pristine and valued so that if you ever had a situation in Montana, you're not going to run out of water like happened in Georgia. Well, we, we're doing a number of things. Of course, Mother Nature is, is the ultimate decider. But, yeah, and we have some things, some laws where we, uh, at certain levels, water remains in the river on mm-hmm. certain streams that there's, you can't take it for any purpose, mm-hmm. which is, uh, that's unusual, Sharon, and there were some long it and contentious debates. But, yeah, it's, there's been, again, a sacrifice, a, a commitment made by landowners. Now, so sportsmen. you're getting a now rains and snow right now? Oh, gosh. It's, this morning when I got up, it was 34 below zero with the wind chill, and we had... 34 uh, below zero? Yeah, and we <laughs> probably have, oh, gosh, 14 to 15 inches of snow here, new snow in the last three or four days. We'll have snow depths over 100 inches on... And are you over in Billings? I'm in Helena. 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 Mm-hmm. You couldn't get to both. Well, we're sitting in Oregon with snow, which is very unusual yeah. in southern Oregon on the valley's uh, floor. We have snow, too. So, uh, you know, they'll call it, Ron. Uh, and I'll, I'll stump you here pretty soon, and we'll talk about global climate change. But, uh, you know, I'm 66 years old, Ron, and I remember way back in time when we had snow, and then we had years where we didn't have that much snow here. And then the air came again. We had some more snow about 10 years ago. And then we now we're getting some more again. And the globe does take its cycles. The earth takes a cycle all over earth, and there's changes. Now we're calling it global warming, but earth does take its changes. And uh, But at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you if you're allowed to give any thinking on those evaluations. But I'm going to go on before we're done here right now about something so well known with your the associate press wrote about your endangered wolves will be in the hunted in the new rule um, that was the t- uh, headlines and it says with wolves scheduled to come off endangered uh, list states given the okay to kill now uh, tell us a little bit about that that was associate press yeah, well, there's lots of confusion and lots of discussion on wolves. Okay, that's why I wanted to talk to you. You bet. Well, in Montana, the Rocky Mountain gray wolf was officially declared recovered in 2002. Uh, in January of 2007, the Fish and Wildlife Service proposed to delist wolves in mm-hmm. Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming. And we're not. And this uh, affects Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. Correct. It's okay. the, the northern Rocky Mountains, and mm-hmm. we're not the grim reapers that that article may have suggested. But if you're going to have wolves, or if you're going to have bears, or you're going to have other predators, you have to be able to manage them, just like you do ungulates, like deer, exactly. elk, and antelope. So, well, and the beetles killing the trees. Well, you, you bet. Know, that sounds like a very simple little maybe nothing, but it is true. Yeah, and the fact is, we have. Uh, 400 wolves in Montana now is the estimation, 80 packs, 40 breeding pairs, and mm-hmm. we feel very comfortable that 
uh, we can continue or we can begin to manage wolves and keep those at the level where they're not going to impact okay. both private livestock and wild, free-ranging ungulates like deer and elk. And it's a balance, Sharon, but yes, it it's is. not like we get frustrated when people assume that you should protect wolves at the expense of other animals. Because exactly. That, so that's where we're at. I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. And uh, now I know our time is up. I hope I can have you back again one time uh, again. Uh, Montana and the world that we set offers an ecosystem of absolute beauty. It looks like you've dedicated your life, Ron, to it. Oh, it's been a privilege, and it's it's a wonderful place to live, and uh, we're trying to keep it that way. We welcome anybody here to come visit. Well, we're going to welcome them to go, too, and we'll be posting that on our website. Ron, you have a nice day, and tell everyone hello. I will. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Bye. Well, Earth does have a secret. I've said it over and over as long as I can remember Earth's secret. Embrace your life. That means everyone else's life, too. We're living on this planet together. Every precious moment is your life and somebody else's life, all together on the Earth, together. But Earth is whispering something you should remember that I'd like to share. Never say goodbye, because then you might forget how valuable it is for you while you're here and the value of all life on Earth and possibly in Heaven, too. Have a nice day, and thank you for listening.